0: Thank mm-hmm. The four forefathers of the Cleveland Film Critics Society, myself, Phoenix, Nathan, Jeremy, and Nick. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, gentlemen.
1: Hey, everyone, how's it going? My name is Nathan Pig. Film's just really important to me, as it is, I'm sure, for, for you who's listening and the three guys that are with me here. You can find me um, on Twitter at NathanPig5 and then over on Letterbox at NathanPig. And my name is P I G G with. Two G's in the last name and feel free to interact with me I love talking with people about different opinions and and their tastes so that's about me
0: awesome all right and next I'd like to introduce another one of our co-hosts Mr. Jeremy Zink Jeremy go ahead hi I'm Jeremy
2: I'm a co-worker with Phoenix excited to be joining this ride with you guys
0: and last but certainly not least Mr. Nick Spain also joining us this evening
3: yeah, um, what's up? My name's Nick Spain. Um, just like the rest of you guys, big into movies. Uh, movies have always been something that I've enjoyed watching uh, throughout my life. Um, you know, being being less than, you know, 25 years old, I'm really interested in in the more recent movies. You know, like 21st century. Um, you know, obviously, of course, likes the classics, but I gravitate more towards things from this 21st century. Love biopics. Um, you know, love dramas. Love, love mysteries. Anything that, anything that's you know has a good story and a, and a good flow to it. Um, and you can find me on Letterboxd, just Nick Spain.
0: And once again, my name is Phoenix Cloudin. You can find me on Twitter under. I-M-H-O Reviews 1. I-M-H-O stands for In My Honest Opinion. That's the only way I give my reviews. And you're going to find out today. We are here to bring you our brand new podcast, Film Code. And uh, what we're going to do today, uh, and this is our first initial episode. Woo! So we're all super excited about that. We got a bunch of stuff to go through today. One of the first things that we're going to talk about is a series on Netflix that got a lot of attention. We'll also dive into some recommendations for you guys, things that we've seen that we think would be really awesome for you guys to check out. And we're also going to have a bit of a discussion on a particular character that uh, I know me and Jeremy have some issues with. Uh, And once and for all, we're going to give you our code word today and the films that we think match that code word so if you're excited like we are let's get started it's not every day
2: that a zip went to prison for murder for hire there are more captive tigers in the u.s than there are in the wild throughout the world animal people are nuts man they're all crazy
3: i'm sure y'all got a story to tell Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Joe Exotic, and this is Sarge. It was like
2: a mythical character living out in the middle of bumfuck Oklahoma who owned 1,200 tigers and lions and bears and shit. Yeah, yeah. They have a heart and a soul and a mind. I've learned from them. But Carol Baskin keeps saying I can't have these tigers. If he ever had an enemy in his life, it was Carol Baskin. Yeah, hey, all you
1: cool cats and kittens. It's
2: Carol at Big Cat Rescue. Carol is the Mother Teresa of cats. We
3: will end the private possession of these cats. This is my way of living, and nobody's going to tell me any otherwise.
2: Carol has an army of people working for free. She's a plain out hypocrite. She literally
0: does everything that I do. The joke is, will you go to Florida and what you let the lady? What a story! And it got way bigger.
3: You're gonna have to kill me to shut me up.
0: First off, we are talking Tiger King. Tiger King is the Netflix limited series documentary. How would you define that one?
1: Documentary. Yeah. Uh, True crime docu-series. (laughs) True crime. (laughs) Great confusion in my mind. (laughs) So just real quick for everyone listening, we do have spoilers ahead for this series. Um, We're not holding back on anything as far as spoilers. So you have been warned. And, Uh, Just to answer your question, for me, in the first few episodes, it was going really well. I was really intrigued. Um, About halfway through, I'd say it was a 10. I I was ready to roll. I was ready to binge watch the whole thing. Second half for me wasn't nearly as strong. Um, I didn't really care for when they talked about um, Joe's campaign. And though all that stuff is interesting, it wasn't nearly as good for me, Uh, especially when Jeff came into the picture. Mm -hmm. it really went downhill for me as so did the zoo. Um, but (laughs) what are your guys' thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. Jeremy.
2: I would have to rate it an eight. When I first started the first episode, I didn't know. And I'm not sure about anybody here, but did anybody know about this guy from before watching this series or Mm -hmm. anything, especially his presidency?
0: Well, if you watched, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver, he did do a segment on, uh, on uh, Joe Exotic so that's that's what I knew him from yeah
2: yeah i've never heard of this guy and when i first started watching this series cuz everyone was talking about it i was at first episode i was confused and then of course like each episode built upon it and i'm just like this is the sopranos of the tiger world <laughs> and it, it blew my mind like you just kept wanting to watch more of it and i'm just like i kind of wanted to grab a banner and go to the dude's jail and be like free joe exotic and do this. <laughs> like it it was mind boggling man i it was just way out of left field kind of stuff
3: definitely what about you nick uh, i i think the first thing that that really caught me is is like the story with everybody um they kind of give like a broad overview of everybody before they really start getting deep into the the series, which which was kind of cool. Um, you know, you get to learn about Joe and, and Carol. Um, and I think Carol, when you like sit basking. back and look at it, it basking. it it <laughs> it seems more of like a something that is scripted and written out, and then you kind of have to remind yourself throughout the series that it's it's real. Like these are real people; these are their real lives. It's it's crazy. Um, you know what money and power and fame will will do to somebody. Everybody's in that in that same boat. So um, yeah, it was definitely a, a binge-worthy series, especially after you told me go watch it, and I was like, all right, well, I got a week to do it, so I got to do it quick. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: I was uh, I was I was mixed on it. I I thought like like Nathan said, I thought like the first half was really really great, and then the second half it like like careened towards this like weird long extended jerry springer
1: episode but yeah i i think the big pressing question is did carol baskin kill her husband what are your (laughs) thoughts on that go ahead jeremy i
2: 100 percent believe it man (laughs) oh man
1: you haven't seen
2: this dude you haven't seen the husband in forever he disappeared without a trace there are spies who aren't that good (laughs) and all of a sudden she has a lot of tigers at her disposal, and let's bring in the sardine oil. Like, Joe Exotic was on point, man, and I'm telling you what, she, she needs to go to prison because I have questions for her. That, that's – cheers.
3: I mean, even if you haven't watched the series and you just kind of know a little, a little bit about it, if you time somebody who's suspected of killing their husband – has a lot of tigers around i mean like you don't have to say much to me like like tigers killing done you know she did it
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think the biggest thing for me when it when you're looking at the question of if she did it or not the biggest thing for me is um she broke in or hired someone to break into the trailer and steal the will or something like Mm -hmm. that i mean first of all that's red flags everywhere and then in the state of Florida, you can't pronounce someone dead until five years after they originally go missing. Right. And she turned, she declared her husband dead five years and one day after. Like for most people who generally love someone, especially their significant other, it just <laughs> didn't make sense. And the will itself, something like upon me going missing or something like that, and or disappearance and that racist red for and for me that's where it really is like confirmed nail in the coffin she did it
2: and there's been more than one husband there was two that went missing oh wow
0: uh see i was like i was on her side i actually didn't think she did it uh i'll be that i'll be that lone voice here i didn't think she actually killed her husband but then you mentioned that you no know, it was It was two of them, so I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, she probably did it.
2: Well, I'm not sure if the first one was missing. I can't recall. Uh But, yeah, there was one that died, then this one went missing, and the whole time I was watching that series, she was with the new boo, and I was scared to death for that man. Yeah, he
0: he seemed very close to her
1: (laughs) for that purpose alone. (laughs) Phoenix, why don't you talk about uh, why you think she may be innocent?
0: Um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, you can't judge people based on their, uh, the the persona that they give off, especially when the cameras are around. So like, to me, it was just like, she was just bad on camera. That was the only thing that I, I really took away. It was like, you know, if you're trying to defend your innocence, she's, she, she needs her own PR person. Like, she's just bad. She's just bad at it. But I was like, so that, that was my thing. I was like, maybe she's just bad at defending herself. There are some people who are like that, but uh, like it, like it wouldn't surprise me if, yeah, she sicked a tire on him and made sure that you know <laughs> there's there's no evidence. It's just the, it's the smartest plan, ever. But you also have to think this is Florida, so y- y- yeah, <laughs> like, like, like. Can I make one small point? Was that?
2: I'm sure we've all seen this one particular point I'm about to make. Remember when the reporter guy asked her flat out, did you kill her husband? Do you recall how long of a pause that was?
0: Okay. See, that's, that's nothing but the magic of editing.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry though. (laughs) If anybody's really, truly innocent, Hey, Jeremy, did you kill somebody? Hell to the no. I mean, (laughs) there's not going to be a pause.
1: (laughs) Well, and I don't know, too, this, this has really nothing to do with whether she killed him or not. But whenever they were interviewing the two, like her and her new husband, did you see the way she was staring at him during the yeah. interview? Oh, like, yeah. he'd, be, he'd be talking and she'd be like... <laughs> I, I seriously said it so many times. I was like, why are you staring at him like that? You're scaring me. Yeah, I mean, and he, know, he knows
0: exactly what he's supposed to say. <laughs> so oh, yo, yeah. man,
2: he was he was definitely on a leash
3: <laughs> so i mean i i mean i've seen a lot of dateline i've seen a lot of people you know deny their innocence and you know say i didn't do it um and you know i so i, I kind of know the red flags i
1: i'm seeing a couple of little red flags here but yeah. the the thing is too there's there's so much overwhelming evidence for she did it like sure there's no body but there's right. so much overwhelming evidence like the big thing is if he was alive right he drove a plane to you know i, I don't remember like one of the islands that he had another lever on mm. but didn't some pilot or some scientist say like you statistically could not do that the plane doesn't have enough gas you'd have to stop four times yeah something like sure. that to where it's Scientifically, not possible to do that. So (laughs) that—that's just one of like five different areas that she definitely did it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was gonna argue for it, but yeah, no. It's it's, it like the more you think about it, like I said, like I do a lot of editing, and one of the things that you try to do, especially if you're trying to create uh, attention and drama is you you manipulate timelines and you you get certain quotes just to make things seem worse than they are um so
3: i don't i still don't know but like yeah the the, the evidence is pretty overwhelming i mean i agree like you know you you can take a 10-minute interview and you know transcribe it and take one little quote out of that um and make somebody look as bad as shit but you know you can't take anything out of context and and expect it to work so I mean with that I I still think she did it but I agree and in a a sense you could make it seem with the magic of editing that that she did it so yeah
1: well kind of following along these lines of talking about the series um, creating their own agenda from what's actually real Um, in the final like catch-up episode Jeff Lowe said that he believes that he was villainized by the docu-series. Um, what do you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on that? What the portrayal of Jeff throughout the series?
0: I f- there wasn't enough focus on him to really, I guess you could, I guess he could make that argument that, you know, he was villainized because there wasn't enough focus on his side of the story to really, you know, show exactly what, what the issue was. Like he said, uh, Like, these guys love me in the beginning because I'm there to help, you know, and I'm giving them money and all of that. And then, I guess, somewhere along those lines, their relationship deteriorates. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure, like, some of that is his fault. (laughs) Like, like, I'm like, you know, people don't just fall out of love with you unless you do something that kind of, you know, helps that along. But I don't know. We never got to see that part, so I don't know exactly. But I do agree that he probably wasn't made to be villainized. Uh, You know, Carol Baskin can only get you so many episodes. So Jeff, you know, brung it the rest of the way.
1: I was really confused too on how much money Jeff had exactly, because that's something that I feel they did a horrible job with in the documentary, like explaining more about him, because they definitely made a point for Joe to say, oh, he's broke. He conned me. He doesn't have the money, but, He kind of did too. Like he's building a whole new zoo. He's shutting down GW zoo to build this brand new zoo. He's still the owner. He was working with the FBI. I'm sure they would have came after him for not having any money. Like I'm really confused and I didn't do any outside research on Jeff or any of his assets or anything like that. But, um, I was really confused with how much money he had exactly. And I'm not expecting anyone to have the answer to that. I'm just saying <laughs> that, that that might have helped as far as uh, whether we look at him as the villain or not. What was your take on Joe Exotic's arc throughout the entire series, pretty much? So I actually loved Joe in the first couple episodes. And I think that's definitely how the series wanted um, <coughs> to portray him as, because definitely in the first. He definitely had some uncanny things about him, some things that you're like, okay, he's psycho, but he's a psycho I want to watch more of. I like him. I can get behind him as a main character, Um, especially because he was, like, shitting on Carol Baskin and (laughs) shitting on Doc Antle. And then he was just – he had that euphoric persona about him that you were like, why does everyone hate this guy? I mean, my dad watched the series long before I did, and I even said to him after the first few episodes, I was like – I love Joe Exotic. He's so cool. Like, obviously, I wouldn't want to be him. I wouldn't want to work for him. But I like watching him. And then at the end of the series, I was like, yeah, no, he's he's a total throwaway. So, and I th- I think that's a good job on the show for portraying such a uh, decline in the character arc.
2: I enjoyed Joe because when I first saw the guy in the first couple episodes, I was like, here's this unique out-of-left-field individual who just does not give a shit. <laughs> And, I mean, he doesn't care. He's openly gay. My man ran for president, has a country album, had a zoo. I mean, you name it, my man did it. And, I mean, he just went after whatever he wanted. And when Carol Baskin entered the picture, like, I feel a lot of his downfall was, you know, revenge, anger, ego. Uh, You know, there's a lot of factors with Joe Exotic, especially with the different characters he faced throughout his, you know, that whole dealing. Um. But yeah, he was a really interesting character, and I mean, I'm sorry things turned out the way it did for him, but yeah.
3: Well, something else, too, is that I don't think any of us can relate to any of these people. I don't think we, we own Tigers or have country albums or run for president, no. unless, <laughs> unless somebody has here. I mean, you know, nobody relates, but something that's so cool is that, you know, we can enjoy these characters and, you know, watch their stories, and, you know, I, I know for movies, it's it's good when you can relate to a character. It's good when you can relate to a TV show character. But, you know, there's also something to be said for characters that's just fun and interesting and just such a blast to
1: watch. Kind of going back to how the series portrays each character, how Netflix sets up these people, how you want to see them. Um, sure, they, they were fun to look at and uh, hear their stories and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, Like they still lived shit lives, (laughs) even like Joe, Carol, Doc, all these tiger owners and zoo owners were screwing their employees so hard because first of all, no one's worse than Carol as far as screwing their employees. When they were talking about Carol's employees and they were like, oh yeah, you get this color shirt when you work for two years and then you (laughs) move up. Like, I don't pay anybody to do animal care because people will do that for free. Our volunteers wear a color-coded shirt system. Red shirts
2: um, primarily function as like your your yeah. beginner, like keeper trainees and partner trainees. If you get all your classes done, and you're gonna apply for yellow shirt. It
1: takes about almost a year to get your yellow. Then you have to have your yellow for a whole year, and then you can apply to be a green shirt. You have to have been here for a minimum of two years. And it goes by so quickly. Yep. After they've been here for like five years or so, they can graduate to a master keeper, and that's blue. That's a navy blue. Navy blue. There's royal blue. I'm actually an intern. Work six uh, days a week, 12-hour days, basically fast-pacing through the volunteer program. Are you super hands-on with the interns? Sadly,
2: I hardly ever know who they are until they've been here. Like, they're here for level five, and it's like, I've seen you around here a lot. (laughs) You keep coming back, you're getting older. That's
0: when they really start showing up on my radar.
3: You definitely uh,
0: don't work regular hours.
1: So Christmas could be a bummer for some people.
0: Yeah, no, I don't take
3: Christmas. (laughs) I'm here Christmas.
1: when you work for two years and then you move up, like move up that corporate ladder that everyone desires in their jobs. That's fine. But when you're working for free, that's not okay. She didn't pay anyone. She made them work on Christmas. She didn't know their names. That's ridiculous. First of all, but here's a different color shirt. Yeah, exactly. See, and and people wanted to do it. They were like, I want to work my way up to green or blue, whatever the color shirt was. They're like, I want to work my way up there. Like, Something's wrong with you if you want to do that. Um and Joe, Joe paid them, I think it came out to like a dollar 50 an hour and they lived in cockroach infested trailers, um just awful weather conditions. Sure, they are fun to watch and they're fun to like listen to their stories on the series, but we got a question there you know, mental decision making as well when it comes to this, just as much as we can with Carol and Joe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we actually gave I think you said eight, Nathan? Is that you or is that Jeremy? I think it was
1: Jeremy. Yeah. That was me. I said eight. Yeah. I'm
0: gonna I'm, go
1: with the I'm gonna go with the seven. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Seven for me as well.
0: Yeah, it was like a six point five for me.
1: Oh we're going below me now? Okay.
3: Yeah I mean you know yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: It's definitely going to be interesting to to see what this series does. I believe they've reopened the case and are looking yeah, into dead. Carol's uh, hus- ex husband's murder, husband, whatever. Um, Wait, they're actually looking into that. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I as they soon reopened as that,
2: it. They reopened it as soon as that series like pretty much ended. The FBI reopened it. Oh, <laughs> I don't man. know what they're doing, but yeah.
1: And not only that, but I know Joe Exotic is looking for a pardon from Trump to get out of jail or. Reduce a sentence or whatever. So um, right. whether or not he gets that, we definitely have a, a couple things that could impact everyday life now with the, these two characters. So it'll be interesting to monitor and see because, you know, one day in October or next year when we're just sitting around doing nothing and we see that, we're like, oh, wow, I remember that. I wonder
3: about this whole series is, you know, obviously with everything going on and staying at home, I wonder how big this series would have been compared to how big it is now if the circumstances weren't the same because you know that was around when everything started to you know quarantine and and everything like that so I wonder if it would have just been a normal everyday you know occurrence and and month I wonder if this series would have gotten as big as it would now if you know because everybody was staying at home nobody had anything to do might as well watch some Tiger King you know Mm -hmm. so I wonder wonder how that would have
2: the timing the timing was perfect
3: hmm yeah like they have to know they they like knew something that we didn't <laughs> they, they they got it
0: they got it in lucky because like i even saw the preview before it before everything went into lockdown i was like i'm, I'm not gonna watch that i'm like <laughs> it just looked it looked <laughs> incredibly stupid to me i was like yeah i don't care to watch that and then twitter blew up about it and i was like all right i guess i'll give it a shot
1: yeah definitely (laughs) the the pandemic definitely helped its ratings i don't think there's any doubt about that um everyone's stuck inside a lot of people have netflix and like phoenix just said twitter blew up on it as soon as you know a few people watched it and realized how crazy it was everyone wanted to jump on board um with everyday life with people working and um driving kids to school and homework and whatever the case is, whatever people have going on in their lives, there wasn't enough time to sit down and and binge it for sure. And um, Netflix definitely lucked out for sure. And there's better stuff on Netflix than this. Like there just is, Um, whether it's Netflix original stuff or whether it's stuff that they've acquired the rights for, there's better stuff than this. It's just, you know, the pandemic and the release timing definitely helped as well as the personalities.
0: you guys pretty much to let us know you know what's good so what's something that you would recommend for our listeners that they watch uh whether it's on streaming or online or maybe if they need to go out and buy the dvd what what do you think is what's good out there for you what you watched like recently that's good enough to recommend
1: so for me unfortunately i haven't watched anything Lately that's been either really good or something that not a lot of people have watched. Like I watched the matrix recently for the first time. I love that. That's a really good movie that a lot of people know about. So I don't want to recommend that because a lot of you have already heard of that film. gonna um, recommend something that Nick and I watched together a long time ago. That is definitely a hidden gem in my mind. Um, it's called the Ides of March. It's a political movie directed by George Clooney and starring Ryan Gosling. And That's about all I'm going to tell you about it. Um, I think it'd be better to go in blind. Even if you're not um, strong into politics, I'm not very strong into politics, you will still enjoy this movie. Um, Give it a chance. George Clooney, as a director, hasn't done a whole lot, but this is a fantastic film. It doesn't have great reviews. It just has average reviews. Um, But I can tell you, Nick and I definitely love this film. Um, Give it a chance for sure. It's called The Ides of March.
2: My recommendation is, coming from my good buddy Phoenix, I thank you for, and that's Death Proof. I was able to close out, I'm a huge Tarantino fan, I was able to close out my collection of every film my man's created, and who, for those who have not seen Death Proof, it is one of the most amazing Tarantino films I've ever seen. Sorry, that's my dog going apeshit. Um, but anyway, hold on. It has one of the best car chase scenes I've ever seen in my life. My dog agrees. Um, has got Kurt Russell, Rosario Dawson, some other ones. If you haven't seen it, watch it. And let me know what you think about that car chase scene because it's by far one of the greatest chase scenes I've ever seen in any film.
1: It's the least least watched Tarantino movie, at least on Letterboxd. Um, so, where does that rank for you, uh, Jeremy, out of the Tarantino ones? Just, just, just real quick.
2: Um, after having not seen it and now seeing it, I would have to rank it up in the top five, absolutely, because it it was just it was that good. I mean, I mean, first, I mean, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but the first couple parts of it were black and white, and then we transitioned to like the effects, the way it was shot. Tarantino is a darn genius, like. It was meticulously done, and it was it was a beautiful film.
0: I
3: happen to agree. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Um, so this is another movie that Nathan and I have have watched pretty recently. Um, I think it kind of it has a popular actor that kind of flies under the radar of this movie, and that's Mud, um, mm-hmm. with Matthew McConaughey, Ty Sheridan, um, Reese Witherspoon. It has a, a has a great cast for an independent film and, and like Jeremy, I'm not going to spoil a lot of it, but um, it's just the relationship between an escaped convict who's just trying to get out versus um, these, these young impersonable kids who kind of, you know, live a rough life. So it's definitely an under the radar film an independent film. And I definitely would, would go check it out.
1: And it's on Netflix. Oh, nice. It's on
3: nice. Netflix, yeah.
0: I'm well, <laughs> to check it out. All right. Well, for me, I actually didn't have anything to recommend until literally this morning. So (laughs) I woke up at 4 a.m., and uh, there was a movie that was scheduled to come out in theaters this year before the pandemic hit, Uh, but they released it on VOD, so I caught it this morning. It's called uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. It's a Sundance movie. It premiered at Sundance. Uh, Independent film. It's a really good movie. Like I think the words I used to describe it was uh quietly devastating <laughs> like that that's how I would put it uh really strong performance uh, from a brand new actor I believe her name is sydney flanagan sydney flanagan new new actress um new director. this is her debut film uh really I really like enjoyed the pacing of this movie. I think that was the strongest part in the acting obviously, was solid. Uh, The the movie is a film about uh, abortion, so it's a really uh, heavy topic. Uh, And, yeah, I'll leave it at that. But it's worth checking out, definitely, if you prefer uh, drama, particularly uh, uh, strong, well-paced character stories. Uh, So that's my recommendation. That's something that's good out
1: there. So yeah, I've actually,
3: I actually yeah, go ahead. I've actually seen a lot about that on on Letterboxd. It's been kind of been like the the popular this week um list for a while. So I've been I've been trying to like work my way through the the 2020 releases that are worth watching because this year it's been been absolutely a, a train wreck for movies so far, pandemic or not. Um but yeah, that's definitely something that has been on my radar as well.
1: Really good
0: movie. Really good movie. I recommend you you guys check it out.
1: So those are our recommendations. We're, this is something we're going to do every episode, is the four of us will go around and recommend something. So this week we got Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Death Proof, Mud, and Ides of March. So if you take one of our recommendations and you watch it, no matter how you feel about it, you love it, you hate it, you want to talk about it, feel free to hit us up on our social media platforms. Right now we are on Twitter and Facebook. Soon we will be on Instagram, youtube potentially some more down the line um or you could look up our individual social media platforms letter boxes and and talk with us um specifically about the films that's one thing we really want to push is is fan engagement so if you decide to take us up on some of these recommendations um feel free to let us know and and talk about it because we want to inspire you and um give you some good stuff to watch
3: definitely sweet all
0: right So now we lead into our discussion. Uh, (laughs) I see Jeremy getting very excited. We've been talking about this for about a week now. Uh, Just a week? Maybe longer. Maybe longer. (laughs) So uh, Nathan is perfectly dressed, so I'll let him intro what we're going to talk about. Go ahead, man. Sure. I can do that on purpose.
1: Yeah, I definitely did this on purpose. (laughs) Um, I'm a huge Batman fan. Um, that's the character we're going to be talking about today is Batman, specifically the theatrical releases that have already happened. So the upcoming Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson film, we will be talking about in a later episode, not dealing with that at all right now. Um, we're specifically going to be talking about the Cradale, Ben Affleck, possibly Michael Keaton movies. Um, talk about really everything involved in those films, the actors, the writing decisions, the movies themselves. And, um, just kind of freely talk about it. There's no real structure as long as we're talking about something involved with those films. And uh I did wear this on purpose. Batman's my favorite superhero, Dark Knight's my favorite movie, so did plan accordingly. But um without further ado, I, I think Phoenix and Jeremy are chomping at the bit to get started about <laughs> Ben Affleck. So why don't you guys go ahead?
2: Slowly shaking just a smidge. <laughs>
0: All right, so uh, recently, I don't know how this discussion started, but we got into a topic on the Batman movies and the films in general. And, uh, you know, there's, I guess you could say, pretty much worldwide consensus over which which ones are, are obviously elevated among among others. The Dark Knight is probably considered the best iteration of the Batman stories. Uh, me personally did not care for the movie. I uh, I I know I I I'm, I'm, I might be the I'll only one. Was like, it was okay.
1: It was okay. It was just okay. <laughs> you you are the only one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not you really just are. not just on this episode, <laughs> but in the whole world, you are the only one. Just so you know. It, it, I mean, it, like I I love Heath
0: Ledger. I thought Heath Ledger was amazing. Like, still the best. Iteration of Joker that I think we've ever seen. Um,
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, he was great. And that's where my compliments end. Uh, <laughs> got nothing else for this movie. I don't know why people like it. And that's I where your delusions know. start.
2: What, what,
0: like, what, what, you, what did you like about this movie other than Heath Ledger? What, what else was good about it?
1: You have to look at just Christopher Nolan, who's just such a brilliant director, even from his early works. um, He had a a few movies that he took on before this. um, Mm -hmm. And those were brilliant as well. But first of all, setting up the whole story, you know, you can't really appreciate the Dark Knight until you watch Batman Begins. Of course, you can appreciate it, you can love it, but you can't appreciate everything in it. Um, There's so much to love about this film, whether you talk about not only the performance by Heath Ledger, but how about Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face and Harvey Dent? Oh, I yeah. think he delivers a great performance as well. And then you got to talk about the storytelling. I mean, storytelling is a thing that I constantly knock on when I watch films. The storytelling's beautiful. I mean, you talk about at the beginning when Batman needs to, to kidnap um, Lau, I believe it is, from yeah, the his home, yeah from his uh-huh. home country. And they're not going to let him into the country so they set up kind of the the kidnap on the airplane and how he's going to swing down that's genius that's genius who thinks about that you also got to talk about the action the action's incredible um i'm gonna let the other guys talk about it so i don't go on a ramble here but uh (laughs) jeremy what what are your thoughts to
2: play on what you just said i love i love the the aspect of where Batman delivers him to the police front steps, please deliver to commissioner Gordon. Like that is just such a great extra part, like such more attention to detail. The storytelling, I'll agree with you. It beautiful storytelling. I mean, wh- whoever Batman fans out there, like this is a Batman movie. I mean, Aaron Eckhart did a great job. Morgan Freeman has always did a beautiful job. Stop shaking your head at me. I,
0: I disagree. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop. stop.
2: Okay, because right now the Batman fandom is upset with me. Um, Heath Ledger, without a doubt, God rest his soul, beautiful job as Joker. Like, of all the Jokers I've seen, even going back to, and I'm probably going to get this confused, Jack Nicholson, right? Yes. Thank Mm. you, because I was going to say Gene Hackman, but I'm terrible (laughs) with names. Um, Jack Nicholson was another great Joker, um, but Heath Ledger by far just – Pretty much set the bar for any future Jokers out there,
3: and that's yeah, my opinion. Um, I'll I'll finish off before we get to the Phoenix who doesn't like it. I just <laughs> want to uh, point out that so far in our discussions, um, you know, Phoenix has always had the hot topic, whether that be Carol Baskin or or this movie. Um, Phoenix is always the odd man out, but just pointing that one out um, so far. But Nathan talked about it earlier. Um, Christopher Nolan's one of my favorite directors. Jeremy, you put it great when you said attention to detail. That's something that Nolan's always done. Attention to detail, whether that be, you know, about Inception or The Prestige, always, always attention to detail. Dunkirk, he's my favorite actor. And, you know, Tenet is, you know, one of my most anticipated movies this year if it comes out this year um you know Nathan being the big Batman fan he is us being roommates I think it was maybe two weeks maybe a month that he was like let's watch The Dark Knight let's watch The Dark Knight let's watch The Dark Knight and I was like maybe 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 I was just like putting him off he was pestering me about it and uh one night I finally caved in. I was like all right let's let's do it let's watch it and I was just blown away there there's multiple you know action scenes that are fantastic the performances of course um you know there's multiple there's a couple times where you know one thing happens and you expect something and it's totally different and you're just blown away and going back I, I binged all of Nolan's films all 10 of them in like six days wow. and you know this this was the one that I you know re-watched I watched Batman Begins and and then I watched this one in my appreciation level for it, it just went through the roof it was a five-star movie for me already on Letterboxd but until that second watch it it i know phoenix i know <laughs> before you know and then it got elevated into one of my favorite films so you know i'll, I'll let t- i'll let phoenix take over now since I've been okay. Go ahead, and buddy. okay no i just i just have one question okay like so
0: i you guys both brought up batman begins now to be fair i, I have not seen batman begins so maybe that will give me more of an appreciation for the dark knight i don't know um, but i cannot get past christian bale as batman that that to me was the biggest biggest block i had i'm sorry i no what? like christian bale's face annoys me i like something about the structure of his face like i can't i can't do it every movie he's in i i hate every character he's played like genuinely Genuinely, don't like it. I watched Newsies for the first time, like, like last year. I hated it, just because he was in it. Like, he, he ruined everything for me. Um, oh, but, <laughs> like, like and, I, and I can't get past the voice. Like, how did y'all get past the voice?
1: Let's, let's, let's <laughs> digest this one thing at a time, first of all. <laughs> Regardless of how you feel or our listeners feel about Christian Bale, there's no doubting that he's got the talent. He's one of the most talented actors in Hollywood right now, if not top five. Yes, I'll give you So his willingness to commit to roles, he only commits to roles that he definitely sees value in. And you could say, Nathan, a lot of people do that. Okay, that's great. But he doesn't just, you know, oh, yeah, sure, sign me up. I want to do it. Like he only takes roles that he truly believes in and he knows he can succeed in. Talk about the weight. You know, he said he stopped doing it now, but he would lose and gain weight for any role he did. You look at, um, he did Vice and Ford v. Ferrari back to back. For Vice, when he played Dick Cheney, Mm -hmm. look at how much he put on. Just Google the pictures right now or something. He put on so much weight, and then look at what he did in Ford v. Ferrari. That might have been, God, I don't know off the top of my head, but like a 16-month, 15-month span where he lost all that weight, Mm -hmm. and that's incredible. You saying that you don't like his face, I'm in no position to tell you what you can and can't like. I don't but at know. the same time, I don't think you can let that control your emotions it's, on it's, how you feel about a film.
0: Okay, it's not it's not just his face. It's just that like I feel like he's not I don't know, like I don't know. For me, it's like he doesn't fit any of the roles that he's in. Is it like I, I don't know. It just it, like, it comes off like that to me. Like, I don't know. He looks like someone who shouldn't be playing the roles that he's playing. That's that's,
1: anyway. that's a very hot take. And I think the majority <laughs> of the world disagrees with you. Hey,
2: hey, Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you know, he played Batman and he did a decent job for it for multiple movies for Batman.
0: Yeah, I know, and, and uh, I wish he hadn't. So honestly. you're saying he can't
2: play the character, but he obviously played the
0: shit I mean, out of it. I He did not. Okay, how do you get past the voice? Just okay. tell me,
1: how do you the get voice, past the voice? The voice is my one issue, if I had any. If I'm being extremely nitpicky, the voice is bad. Um, especially because in Batman Begins, he doesn't have the voice. Like He just all of a sudden decides to do it, and then when you get to The Dark Knight Rises he definitely says some things where you're like, what, what did he say? Rewind. What? Like you don't understand him. Sometimes he gets too carried away with the voice 100%. But again, I don't think that that can completely dictate your emotions on it. It it took
0: me out of the movie. I'm sorry. Like way out of the movie. And, and I did not get Maggie Gyllenhaal cast as the love interest either. Uh, Nothing against Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think she's a perfectly fine, Actress, great-looking gal. Um, I don't know. I just i I couldn't get behind
1: her character, and maybe she's a, is she in Batman Begins too? Like the the character is Maggie Gyllenhaal recast- is recast.ed
3: Ah, ah. And see, I get that because you know when you watch a movie and then somebody's recast,ed it's it totally throws you off. Like I am rewatching the MCU right now, and you know watching from Iron Man. Iron Man Two, when you know Warhammer, what I forget War, War Machine. Machine, War Machine, Warhammer. When War Machine yeah. is is recast,ed that's like a you have to get used to that. And I mean, I get it. And playing playing devil's advocate here, um, I hate to do this, to you, Nathan, but i I know I know Nathan hates Ryan Reynolds, and I know <laughs> that if Ryan Reynolds was in a movie, even even if it was a good movie, I forget what but his character is totally out of place and Nathan absolutely hated it. So I hate to play devil's advocate here, Nathan, but I mean, I I can kind of see where you're coming from.
1: Let's not go too far down the rabbit hole here. I promise. I will, I will keep this so we're not just completely going way off our Batman track, just to answer that question and defend it a little bit. It's a good point you bring up. It is. But here's my point is the diversity of roles that Christian Bale plays. He was Dick Cheney. Look Mm -hmm. at, he was Batman. Look what he played in Ford v. Ferrari, Mm -hmm. the big short. Like, he's played so Mm -hmm. much variety of roles that you can't, it's so difficult to hate him in everything. You could say, look, I didn't like his role in The Fighter. I didn't like him as Batman. You can (laughs) say those things, but you can't say everything he does is bad. Ryan Reynolds plays the exact same person in every single one of his movies. There's no denying that. He always plays the goofy yeah. untimed let me look at the camera and giggle guy right. let me make dick jokes guy he's <laughs> that in every single film he was like that in detective pikachu as pikachu he was like that in hobson shaw when he was on screen for two minutes
3: like That's that, that in six about.
1: underground and of course he's like that in deadpool you could you're right, you're right. I am very biased against that man, but I'd like to see him take on some roles other than that dick slap funny guy, whereas Green Christian Bale out. can do everything. Green Lantern trash. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> So good point, but that's my counter to right. that.
0: Okay, and like I I agree, like it's it's just it's weird to me. So like when it when it comes to Batman, I always find that uh, the, the perfect actor to play Batman has to be able to play <coughs> Bruce Wayne and Batman, you know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like if you go down the list, you could say that Michael Keaton, I think probably Michael Keaton did the best job of playing both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Uh, uh may, may, He's a definitely a better Batman than he is Bruce Wayne. I'll make that argument uh Val Kilmer was a better Bruce Wayne than he was Batman. Uh uh and to me Christian Christian Bale I I just I, I can't place him in either one of those. I just feel like he was he was a miscast to me. That that's that's the only thing. I feel like he was a miscast. Uh and I would argue George Clooney was probably uh the second best Batman of all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You are you are just tailoring <laughs> to the unpopular opinions of the world. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I it, don't understand. It's like we haven't pulled even hit up, the worst part yet. It's like you pulled up unpopular Batman opinions, and you're just <laughs> rifling off the top ones. I I don't I I disagree. I think
0: Batman and Robin is one of the best Batman movies ever made.
1: Oh lord! And oh,
0: that's God. and that's only because. <laughs> And that's not, that's like, look, it's only because like it leans so far into the original camp of like the Adam West TV show and like, you know, and like the, not the Batman animated series, but like the old Batman cartoons where he was a lot more goofier. It was a lot of, of, (coughs) a lot of, a lot more cheese. And I don't know. I just liked the cheese and I liked Edward, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as a, as Mr. Freeze. Frost.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Mr. Freeze.
1: I want Oh, sorry, if if you're still going uh, about Mr. Freeze. <laughs> oh, I just I have, thought I, I just question. think it was a
3: great movie. What's that? All right, so you said Christian Bale was miscast. Who who would you place as Batman? Who would you cast? If you're Nolan, who'd you who'd you got? If I were Nolan, I probably
0: would have swapped Aaron Eckhart and Christian Bale. <laughs>
1: you, you were shaking your head when we said Aaron Eckhart did a good job as Two Face. Yeah, he, he did okay.
0: <laughs> he did okay, but like he's got that square face that like that I typically associate with Batman, whereas Christian Bale has like a pointy
1: face, which I feel like works better for villains. So, so like, I, yeah, I I kind of want to circle back to <laughs> to what makes the Dark Knight great in my mind too is. Um, in all the renditions of Batman I've seen, and I have not seen the George Clooney or the Val Kilmer ones yet. Um, but from what I have seen, um, no one has nailed Alfred like Christopher Nolan has. When I went back and well watched for the first time the Michael Keaton ones, Alfred was awful. He was yeah. a complete throwaway. And I'm not <laughs> saying the actor is bad. I just They didn't write him well whatsoever. <laughs> When you have Michael Caine as Alfred, who's a very talented actor, and what Nolan does with him is he gives him extremely quotable lines, especially in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, and makes him a likable character, someone that I feel like is the first time they push the boundary with Alfred being able to tell Bruce Wayne, like, you're wrong. This is mm-hmm. how things go. You're being selfish. With, but still being that respectful, like, I still work for you type deal. And I think they just nailed... Alfred. And um, for example, like Suicide Squad and and BVS and Justice League, well, Suicide Squad, no, but BVS and Justice League, like that Alfred, I think is terrible. I think they write him terribly. Um, I'm watching Gotham right now, the show on Netflix. um, And I think Sean Pertwee or Pertwee, however you say his name, I think he's a great Alfred. And of course they're a TV series. So they have more time to deal with each character. I think they nail him as well. But from a movie standpoint, I really think Nolan's version of Alfred is the only one that's actually good. I would agree with that. I I think
2: I agree. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I would agree
0: with the uh, the Gotham uh Alfred is also really really good and and the Gotham uh, Lucius Fox the guy who plays Lucius Fox uh, is also really good. Um yeah, I just I don't know. Like I will double deck, I'll, I'll double back and check it out once I've seen Batman Begins and I'll see if my opinion changes.
2: Yeah, you reviewed the evidence, sir.
0: Yeah, but I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I, I couldn't get past the voice. I couldn't get past the miscasting. And, uh, and, like, every every scene that Heath Ledger isn't in is, is personally not entertaining. I don't know. It just isn't, it's not I'm interesting sorry. enough. I'm, I don't I'm know sorry
1: is. to all our listeners that this is our first show. I'm sorry. I I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, just please know yeah. that there are three people on this show that ridiculously disagree yeah. with this. Yeah, and um, there's
2: there's one problem. We haven't hit who his
1: favorite Batman is yet. Well, Phoenix, let's, <laughs> Phoenix, let's hear let's hear your take.
0: Uh, no, I I agree with the problems with uh, BBS and with Justice League. They're both not strongly written films, I get like those, that's fair. Um, The reason that I think that Ben Affleck uh, to me was the best Batman is because what, what they were going for with Batman. Batman was supposed to be grizzled at this point, you know, very much uh, fed up with uh, the life and everything and dealing with the problems of Gotham. He was, he was pretty much over it. And I felt like Ben Affleck uh, embodied that very well as a like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I feel like sometimes, especially with George Clooney, they try to make them too much. If I can make this comparison, it made him too much like the DC Tony Stark, where it's like, you know, it's much of a, too much of a playboy, too much of like the billionaire rich kid and not enough of like this grizzled hard guy who's, you know, at night, a master martial artist and you know crime fighter, so to me it was like he he fit those those two personas the best of being you know grizzled and hard and also you know dons the cape at night. So that that to me was why I felt like Ben
1: Affleck uh, embodied the character the best. To me, he looked especially in Justice League. He looked slow, like he looked old, <laughs> and Look, I I am not educated on how old Ben Affleck was during the time of filming of Justice League versus how old Christian Bale was. You could be sitting there and you'll be like, Nathan, Christian Bale was older by the time they shot Dark Knight (laughs) Rises. I don't know. Like, I'm telling you right now, I don't know. I'm just saying Ben Affleck looks so old in everything they did in Justice League. And for Bruce Wayne, you can look old. You can do that. but for being batman he looked like he was running slow he looked like he was fighting slow he looked like i could breathe on him and he'd fall over and that wasn't (laughs) the case in bvs i don't know what happened um but when it came to him recruiting like recruiting aquaman recruiting flash i think that's some great work from ben affleck and um something i really want to see out of bruce wayne in the future um but it just didn't work for me and with him as batman it didn't so I rewatched uh, or I watched Batman Returns a couple months ago for the first time. And that's a film that I have a ton of problems with. Um, I think now again, we're I, I'm significantly younger than you guys, Nick and I are both significantly younger than you guys. So maybe that has a little bit to do with it too, but for, for me, right. Nolan didn't, and I'm not going to try and compare the two too much because obviously Tim Burton's came a long time before, but Nolan picked and chose when to set up the origin stories of certain characters. He didn't set up an origin for Joker. And I think that really worked. Obviously Joker 2019 was a really good origin story. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying he, he didn't set up an origin for Bane a little bit, but I think that was okay. But the people he did decide to set up an origin for um, like Two-Face and Batman, those worked. I felt like Tim Burton thought that he had to set up an origin story for every major character he introduced. I feel like that was like something he had to do. And that made the film seem so tacky in my opinion, because when you start Batman returns, there's no such thing as the penguin. There's no such thing as Catwoman. And those are the two major villains. And that just, and even if you're talking about chronologically, there's no such thing as Batman at the start of the film either. So it's like he, He's like, no, we can't have any major character that doesn't have an origin story. I mean, the way that Danny DeVito becomes the Penguin is so, like, cliche, in my opinion. And, look, if I'm wrong, tell me, but um, it just is, like, be. Okay, because your name is Penguin and the character Penguin doesn't literally mean you have to live with penguins, sleep with penguins, and be a penguin fanatic. That is taking it way too literally and is cliche as hell, in my opinion. And, like, the penguin's supposed to be this, like, crime lord, fat guy that, can't, that does everyone to do his dirty work for him because he's too big to do it himself – and, like, Danny DeVito's penguin is so whack. He's, like, hiding in the sewers with penguins all over the place. It's just – it's so way, way, way too literal definition of the character for me. And that took me out of the film and made it unbelievable in my eyes.
2: Don't forget the giant duck rod he had, man.
1: It's <laughs> way too literal. <laughs> I I agree with the
0: the the – yeah the literal part of it but like i would i would argue that uh what was it ninety ninety one when this when this came out
2: yeah, it was back,
0: yeah, so like i'm like I think when you consider the nineties and how bad the nineties were as a whole uh it was great <laughs> like it was it was great for the nineties and uh and yeah, it personally. I like uh Gotham's take on the penguin, what they're doing with, with penguin now. I think that's really great. Um, but I like Danny DeVito. I, I liked that that, you know, again, like I like the cheese factor. You know what I'm saying? I really like the, the whole camp of uh of Batman, you know what I'm saying? Like just the the campiness and the 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 silliness. Because in truth, if there were a billionaire superhero uh you know dressing as a bat fighting crime he like it, it would be silly like it, it would be naturally silly so I think uh you have this fictional city that's overrun by criminals and gangsters. Now there's 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 a uh a suited up you know superhero trying to clean up the streets naturally you're gonna have some bad guys who will have the opposite effect of, you know, maybe falling into their characteristics and turning that into their villain villain persona. And uh yeah, so I I get why he leaned into the literalness, uh in the nine especially in the nineties. Uh and I just I don't know, like maybe it's me, I don't like the darker version of Batman as
1: opposed but, to the But you like Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah. Ben Affleck was great. <laughs> <laughs> <a> contradicting statement. <laughs> I, uh, he even did it. Tim Burton even did it in the original Michael Keaton Batman. He sets up Joker with an origin story, too. Like, it's just, yeah. I don't understand. And I'm not saying, I think that the Joker origin in the um, first Batman is fine. But I just don't understand the need to give every single major character an origin story. And when you do, make that decision you're leaning so hard on the cheesiness and the cliche of it and I, for and, me there's for me penguin was way too cliche
0: and also like this was before we saw the mass of superhero films that we see now so like i uh, like i agree like you wouldn't do that now you know what i'm saying back then i think it was a necessary tactic that may have been more studio than anything uh to say like yeah, we we gotta know where this guy comes from. So, like, I, yeah, I think I think you gotta look at that one as in it was a different era, definitely a different era for comic book films. So, yeah, a lot of things would will play differently than than they will uh, today.
2: If I can make a small interjection, um, I agree with Phoenix and also um,
0: this Aww, was early
2: '90s. <laughs> Shut up. I will not say it again. Um, No, I agree because this was filmed in the early 90s, which was a transition time in many different ways for us as a society, you know, with new technologies and everything else. Plus, you know, back in the day with what Phoenix was saying, I feel like the Batman franchise itself was still trying to find itself in a lot of different ways and come up with how can we present these different characters, you know, and I agree, you know, not every character needs an origin story. I do agree with that. But at the su- at the time, at the era that this was shot in, I feel like it fit the origin for what the public needed at that time for the franchise.
0: Also, I don't believe the animated series was out at that time, at least not the, uh, not the Batman animated series. Didn't that come in like 94? 90- 94. I want to say
2: it was mid 90s. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like, like the main <clears throat> reason for the the origin story for a lot of these characters was that uh they they didn't have one. You know what I'm saying? Like most people only knew them from the comic books, and like you had to be a diehard comic book reader to know
1: about these characters. So that that may be why. That's, that's all I'm saying. Anybody uh, got any last last points to bring up or? We moving on.
2: I would just say it'd be badass since the penguin lived in the sewers. If there was a penguin versus Ninja Turtles movie. Oh God.
1: Um, no, I'm the I'm the only guy. Okay. Yeah. I'll be that guy. it's yeah, nice. I'll be that guy.
0: It's nice not to be the odd man out anymore. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> my,
1: my last. Uh, I had to take some heat from you. <laughs> my last statement to wrap this Batman discussion up is: I'm sorry for everyone that had to listen to Phoenix's take on <laughs> the Dark Knight.
2: Yeah, I am so please, sorry. Please I don't know what the viewers stop. think.
1: Please don't stop listening because of that. Um, If you have any comments on anything we brought up, whether it be from any of the films, whether it be through any of the actors or any of our takes, if you just want to give us your thoughts on the movies, um, feel free to check us out. We're on Twitter at Pod. We're on Facebook. We will be on YouTube and Instagram soon as well. And you can hit us all up um, individually as well if you'd like. I'm sure all of us would love to respond to you and talk about the films as well um and with that yeah um, go ahead
3: i was gonna say on twitter uh we'll we'll probably do a poll um after this podcast goes live so uh (laughs) go go vote on that poll after you're listening to this um and and prove
1: phoenix from that that is everybody's favorite batman please um yeah definitely Uh, we'll, we'll throw that poll on twitter after this so um if you're listening to this go check out that poll um So I think we're going to throw it over to our last segment, which is Film Code. And I'm going to let these guys discuss what exactly that is, the meaning behind our podcast name, and uh, this fun little last segment we have for you guys. You are
0: now in Film Code. We start, so, Film Code what it basically is, in a nutshell, we are going to take a word or phrase that means something ambiguous. It'll probably be intentionally vague. And it is up to you and up to us to figure out what movie uh, relates to that, that code word. So uh, this past week, when we were discussing setting up the podcast, we came up with our code word, and our code word this week is animals. Now, whenever we come up with a code word, we also like to give two hints so that we can pretty much narrow it down for you guys to figure out exactly what movie we mean. The two hints that we got this week were non-animated and 2018. So that basically lets you know that animals are involved, the movie is not animated, and that movie may have taken place in 2018. Uh, it is up to you guys to decide wh- uh, how you figure out what our code word means. And uh, so that was my code word. So I'm interested to see what movies these guys came up with that they thought matched the code word. So who wants to go first?
1: Yeah, and just to to touch on that too, um you know, this is just a way for us to talk about different films that we may not see and us to maybe watch similar things. Just a little fun twist, too, as well, to, to get some interaction. Um, So with the, what Phoenix said, his was Animals, non-animated 2018. Jeremy, Nick, and I each watched a film that we thought could pertain to that. And we're going to mm-hmm. talk about and guess which film that is. And if we're right or wrong, we're still going to give our thoughts on that film. Um, and yeah. then here... Once we're done talking about that, we'll give you what this week's is, and then uh, you can guess. And if you're right, we'll shout you out. And uh, I'll talk about that more here at the end. But for me, um, you told me this pre-show that it wasn't. So uh, <laughs> my was Black Panther. I was hoping it wasn't Black Panther. So I'm glad I'm wrong because that was really obvious. Um, look, Black Panther's a movie I love. Um, it's, in my mind, the best MCU movie that's not a team-up movie. Um I love everything about it. Nick and I went to the theater to see it together along with some of our other friends. One of the best theater experiences I've had um, in my life. And not only that, you got a great villain in Killmonger. Um, the world of Wakanda is just gorgeous. And in Ryan Coogler's real first big film, I think he absolutely knocked it out of the park. Um, I love everything about Black Panther, great film. And I'm glad I was wrong and that's not your, your movie <laughs> you're thinking of.
0: Yeah, that was a good, that was a good guess. Uh, yeah, that would have been really spot on. Uh, but, uh, that was a good guess. And like, I, I, I love Black Panther too. I agree that it is the best MCU movie that is not a team up, uh, cause the team up movies are freaking sweet. <laughs> All right. So Nick, what was your guess?
3: All right. Well, um, you know, I, was looking at movies 2018, just scrolling through a letterbox, see what would pertain. And I came across Isle of Dog and I was like, yep, yeah, this is it. This is totally the movie, totally it. I go up to look online and it says animated. I was like, shit. Okay. Gotta, gotta restart. Gotta, gotta start from page one. So I, I kind of took this as a, I'm not going to go, you know, uh, super basic, super, uh, you know, obvious movie. So I actually went with Annihilation um, it was directed by um the same his name escapes me right now but the same director who did Ex Machinima. Um, you know, features Natalie Portman and, and Tessa Thompson. Um this movie was was whack. Let me let <laughs> me that. If if anybody's seen it, um Phoenix, have you have you seen it?
0: I have seen Annihilation, yes. Okay,
3: so it... you'll know what I'm talking about. Um I think I made the mistake of watching this by myself. Um with headphones on my laptop at like 12 o'clock at night um in my house with all the lights off um there were there were some scenes um that i was like pretty pretty scared um <laughs> you know there there's a, a a bear scene and that's absolutely terrifying <laughs> um you know that you know i'm not the biggest fan of horror movies um you know i think a horror movie has to have a good story and and not rely too much on jump scares. Um, I wouldn't call this like a horror movie per se. It's more of a science fiction thriller. Um, but yeah, you know, um, there were, it wasn't 100% on, you know, animals, but it dealt with some mutations. Um, there were some scenes of some deers with instead of antlers, there were flowers growing out and, um, you know, there was an albino crocodile. And like I said, this air who, uh, you know it was absolutely terrifying if if you've seen the movie you know exactly what I'm talking about yeah. um so for for my first week i went with something was kind of off the beaten path maybe not uh you know 100% dealing with animals but kind of features animals on a uh, on a low key scale that that played a good role that was a really
0: good guess uh it, it's wrong but uh it was okay. a really, it was a really good guess uh i like i like where you were thinking like uh yeah is uh not too spot on. There's definitely uh hints of animal in there as you mentioned the bear. The bear is uh if you have not seen Annihilation, I would recommend uh if you're into science uh, fiction, I would yeah. I would definitely recommend it. Uh it's a very interesting
3: uh take on that. The the third the third act is, is completely whack. <laughs> when when she gets to the lighthouse I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? Like, <laughs> there's some weird shit going on, and and you know, I, yeah. don't even get me started on how, how whack it was. Yeah, that uh, most people have a problem with the with the
0: ending of that movie, and uh, for good reason. All right, uh, Jeremy, what
3: is your guess?
0: Uh, my guess, even though you told me it was wrong,
2: was I chose the Meg, um, the megalodon. I, I,
3: I almost got, I almost chose that as well.
2: <laughs> and you know what? Um. Little history about it, it was done by Gravity Pictures, has Jason Statham and Rain Wilson, which many of us know as the light From The Office. Um, it's also based on the movie or the novel rather by Steve Alton, and it was directed by I'm gonna mess this name up, John Turtletob, if I got that right. Who also did Cool Runnings and Phenomenon, which is one of two of my like good movies that I like to watch. Um, all in all, that movie I would highly recommend it because it was pretty much Deep Blue Sea meets um, Jaws on steroids. (laughs) And the whole movie was presented very well. It kept you guessing. It kept you, you thought it was going to go one way, and that's not the way it went. (laughs) I mean, it definitely kept your interest throughout the entire movie. And for those of you who have not seen it, I would recommend it. It It's definitely a
0: good movie. All right uh the meg is a good guess uh it definitely has a giant shark (laughs) which is an animal which is an animal uh can't argue with that uh i was i yeah when you told me that i was like uh i was like yeah i don't think you could have been any further off uh but it's it's an animal non-animated 2018 i get credit (laughs) you 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 hit all the markers except uh like yeah, it's just way off from where I was going uh but uh yeah, great movie uh good action scenes, I think uh definitely has humor, although like you know I don't i I, don't, I want to stop pissing people off this episode yeah that'd like, be great yeah know, that'd be great you know jason's our statham. maiden voyage man yeah you know i'm just not i'm not big on the statham uh movie lineup uh so yeah i i I haven't even seen the meg i just know i know the novel i'm familiar with the novel and
3: uh that that's all i needed uh, <laughs> what are you big leader phoenix you familiar with the novel Was that I said, you big reader. If you're familiar with the novel, yeah,
0: yeah, I okay. I try to I try to read every book that gets turned into a movie. Just oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> he just pictured Jason Statham not in there. <laughs> right, all right. So I guess it's my turn to reveal the movie I was actually talking about. And uh, wow, this this will be interesting. So uh, the co-word was animals. Uh, The hints were non-animated in 2018. Chances are, if you did not see this movie, you would not have thought of it because there's no way to know that there are actual animals in it. Oh, great. It's about to be controversial. (laughs) That movie is 2018's Sorry to Bother You. Directed by Boots Riley, it's his debut feature film starring Lakeith Stanfield and... Tessa Thompson. So that's why Nick was close.
3: <laughs> I was close. Yeah, I, I, I was in the same room. Right. Of, uh,
0: <laughs> so like, the reason you wouldn't know is that Sorry to Bother You, uh, it's trailer is about this guy who gets a job as a telemarketer. And uh, he mo- works his way up using this uh, overdubbed uh, white voice. It's really creepy how they do it. But once he moves up, he finds out that the company that he's working for is taking their best employees and turning them into horses. And it's at that moment that the movie becomes really fucked up. (laughs) So it's a horror movie. Like it doesn't seem like it's a horror movie, but it becomes a horror movie. And uh, basically they have to fight this company against turning people into horses. And they've created this world where we've pretty much gone into complete debauchery in terms of our entertainment. So there's that on top of the racial connotations, on top of the capitalism critique. It's a it's a crazy, 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 crazy movie. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. Uh, But it is worth checking out. I definitely think you'll find humor in it, horror in it. Uh, Anyone who's ever worked for a boss that they had questions about, it will make you think of that. So uh, (laughs) I would recommend it. Uh, Sorry to bother you. I believe you can see it on uh, Netflix. No, not on Netflix. Sorry. On Amazon Prime. And I believe it's still available online. So that was our code word this week. Animals. It referred to horses. <laughs> it was Sneaky a non-animated bastard. movie from 2018. Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You.
3: I've actually seen that pop up a lot on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. whether that be people reviewing it or just kind of going through which films, uh, you know, an actor or actress, like Tessa Thompson's or Keith Sandfield has been in i've i've come through a lot and just the the premises that you just told me that's way out of left field would have never expected that yeah (laughs) so for you to say that i am completely shocked
0: yeah (laughs) so that's interesting that we all came to very different conclusions i'm really excited to do this again so who's got the code word this week
1: yeah so it's my code word this week um And hopefully you guys have grasped the concept of it. So we'll kind of work through it here again real quick. So my code word this week is intelligence. Um, That refers to, you know, your brain and how much you know. Intelligence. Um, The word I'm looking for or the word associated with the film actually is not intelligence. So you may think central intelligence movie with Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart. Uh, intelligence is, is the word I'm looking for, but it's a synonym of the actual word. If I give you the actual world word and use it as the code word, it would give it away. Okay. Mm. So think synonyms for intelligence. Um, my other, um, clues are that it's a comedy film released from, uh, let me look released from the year 2000 to 2010. So that decade, again, I'm not going to give you the exact year that would give it away um and then one clue that unless you've seen the movie um you won't know there is a piano that is prevalent in the final acts that matters quite a bit um, but it is not a film about music so don't think you're getting <laughs> on the right track wife. by looking no don't look at musical films there's a piano <laughs> that is very present in the last film from 2000 2010 it's a comedy and it the code word is intelligence but don't look for intelligence in the title or description or anything like that because it's a synonym. Okay. All right. And if you're a listener, if you're listening to this before our next episode and you want to go ahead and guess what this film is, go ahead and hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter, on soon to be Instagram, YouTube, some of our other platforms, or just go ahead and message one of us on our platforms. And we will shout you out here on the next uh, episode. If you get it right. What we'll do is Phoenix, Nick, and Jeremy will tell me what they think theirs was and give me a review of their film. I'll watch the film I'm thinking of as well and give it a review um, after they did, just like Phoenix did with his code word. And, um, yeah, so kind of look at those clues that I just gave and feel free to guess on social media, and we'll give you a nice big shout-out. Um, I'll be absolutely. stocking your
3: letterbox for the next couple of weeks just to see what films you watch.
1: <laughs> uh I have seen this film before. It's not anywhere on my Letterbox. Just so oh, to dang. throw everyone off the stench. And, um, and you
3: can't log it on Letterbox.
1: Yeah, don't for our group here, for the four of us, don't log it on Letterbox. Don't log uh, until it until letterbox. after. So until after. Like uh, you know, Nick Nick watched um Annihilation. I watched Black Panther. Those are not on our Letterbox at the time of this recording. Nice. Um and then I think, uh, I think that's it. We got any final thoughts, guys? Yeah. Uh, so
0: let's <laughs> run through those. Again, it, the code word is intelligence. We know it's a synonym. Uh, the hint is comedy. And it's anywhere between <laughs> the 2000s and 2010. So the en- entire
1: early decade of the 2000s. Yeah, you want me to slim that down? Do you think it'd be fair to slim that down a little bit? No, no, sure okay, it. Let's do challenge. it.
3: <laughs> All gotta,
1: right, we got to get
3: a leaderboard going as as we get through this. Of, uh, and uh, of who guesses it right, if ever? Definitely. <laughs> and then everyone, everyone has zero points right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. I, I, just just saying, I vote for myself. Um, if there was to be a point given, I would vote for myself. I was in the right realm. Same actress, same same genre. Same yeah. year, I I think I get I get the both.
1: <laughs> Same year wasn't too hard. <laughs> yeah. <up. laughs> um. Um. And then the final clue was: there's a piano in the third act that matters, although it's not a musical movie or involves music. Um. So yeah, that's it. Any any final thoughts, guys? Uh,
0: no, I think we're we established a lot of good ground on our first episode. We all know that uh, Ben Affleck was the best Batman. So I think that's great that I was able to turn you guys around to that.
3: Um, (laughs) (laughs) So um, next next episode, we'll uh, we'll revisit that poll that was posted on Twitter and at the beginning. And we'll we'll just see real quick uh, about how wrong
1: (laughs) you, you are. Absolutely. Feel free to, if you're listening to us right now, Uh, If you could, please smash that like button, give us five stars, however you can rate um, and what you're listening to. We love doing this, but uh, we can only continue if we know that you guys love listening to it as well. We also would love some suggestions. If you guys say, you know, I really loved your discussion on Tiger King. I would like if you talked about that first segment a little more. Um, We are open to suggestions. We are open to talk about films we've seen that we haven't talked about. You see one of us on Letterboxd, watch a film that you love, feel free to reach out to us. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, just let us know you're listening, interact with us. Um, We're always going to interact back with you on our, on our platforms because, you know, we, we want listeners and we want to keep you guys involved as well. So um, with that, I'm, I'm Nathan Pig. You can find me on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig, N-A-T-H-A-N-P-I-G-G, no space or anything. And I will always interact back with you.
3: Yeah, that sounds good. Same here, Nick's playing on Letterboxd and and I'll I'll interact as well. So
2: And I'm Jeremy and uh don't worry, I'll be psychologically evaluating Phoenix for the next week to see what it really is inside that head of his for <laughs> Bashlick. But anyway He's He's uh I'm Jeremy. That. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, we're going to fu- we're gonna get to the bottom of this, bro. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> film codes on Facebook. Look us up. Give us any suggestions. If you guys feel that Phoenix is right and definitely wrong, please let us know because yeah. we would love to hear that opinion because this has been a battle brewing since <laughs> I've been working with this gentleman. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys for uh, checking us out, and uh, we look forward to doing this a lot more times.
3: Yeah,
0: definitely. All right. And once again, I'm Phoenix Clouden, the smartest guy in the room, as always. Uh, you can find me on Twitter no. at IMHOReviews1. Uh, no spaces in there. And on Letterboxd under Phoenix Clouden. We will see you guys next week. It has been Film Code, The podcast. Phoenix, Nate, Nick, Jeremy. We'll see you guys next time.